Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fixed. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Welcome to the Modern Mamas Podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire, empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. We have a trio of amazing peeps here today with you in your earbuds. It's me, it's Laura, and it's our favorite guest, quite possibly of all time, Liz Wolf. Welcome, friends. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> it's, I was telling Rusty this morning, it's been like over four years, I think, since. Can you believe that's so crazy? crazy. No, yeah. no, no. Wow. Wait, and I'm Rusty. Over- Four years since Liz has been on or four years since yeah. you were first on? Since the three of us recorded together. Because I remember Evie was like itty bitty and I was nursing her during the recording. But I feel like I we did. that. Yeah. But didn't so we crazy. do a baby making and beyond episode in between there somewhere? Too. Was I on that one? I don't know. Life is a whirlwind. <laughs> I don't know if I was on it or not. (laughs) Regardless, it's been too long. We can't, we can't let it go this far. (laughs) And you have lots going on and we're so excited to kind of get caught up with you because Liz, because like things I feel like have been, you kind of, well, spoiler alert, had another baby who's not a, not a baby anymore, really at this point. So you had a baby, you took an Instagram hiatus, you came back, you started a program, you've got some other programs going. You've got a lot of like just things in the works. And I'm so excited to hear what's happening with you. We're also going to talk about a little bit about your second birth experience, which is really Mm -hmm. exciting. But before we do, just in case nobody knows who Liz is, I'm going to read your (laughs) your bio (laughs) for the fifth time. I think by this point, I I might be forgotten and that would be, (laughs) I would not be offended. I would totally get it. (laughs) Well, for those of you who have been living under a rock, Liz is a nutritional therapy practitioner. She's author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Eat the Yolks, host of the Liz Talks podcast, which I cannot wait to hear more about, co-creator of the Baby Making and Beyond program and co-creator and fitness model, of course you are, for the new Athletic Mom program. (laughs) That's supposed to be a joke. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a joke. I dig it. So that's your new bio and it's so fun. And a lot has changed. I feel like the first time we read your bio was like lives on a farm and, you know, the Balance Bites podcast and things have definitely shifted. So, I mean, I I don't even know where to start. Catch us up, friend. What have you been up to? (laughs) 
What's up? Well, okay. So, so the first episode of the new podcast of Liz Talks is called Liz in a Very Great Big Nutshell. So if anybody actually cares <laughs> who I am and what I've been doing for however long this has been, since I've been on your podcast and since I just dropped off of the internet for a year plus then it's in there too, if you want like the whole roadmap. And when I was recording that episode, I was like, nobody cares. But it was very important to me to just give all the context. I don't know, Jess, you can tell me, is that like an Enneagram 6 thing? Like, what is that? For you to give the context of like where you've been and what's been yes. happening. Like, I can't just be like, hi, I'm Liz and I do this. I have to be like, hi, I'm Liz. And I was born <laughs> at Overland Park Regional <laughs> Medical Center. You know, like, it's just, I need all of it so people understand. I think there could be a little bit of Enneagram six in there, but honestly, I just think as, you know, starting a new venture, you never know who's going to find you. And I feel like, I feel like it's good. I feel like it's good just to get everyone up to speed. So I'll definitely be listening to that episode myself. Well, also I keep wondering when, when I say like, I'm author of the wall street journal, bestseller, eat the yolks. I'm like, that was in 2014. So I wonder how much longer, like, when does that drop off my resume? When does that stop mattering? (laughs) Never. (laughs) No, never. That's like JK Rowling saying like, I wrote Harry Potter a long time ago (laughs) and then like letting it drop off her radar. (laughs) That is such a nonsensical comparison, but I will take that comparison. You're my JK Rowling. (laughs) I'm your JK Rowling. Thank you so much. So I don't know. I, I, you and I and well, all the three of us, we talked a lot about like in my memory, this is this is where it is in my heart and my mind is that we talked a ton about like aware parenting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that was so awesome because I really feel like your podcast and giving me the opportunity to talk about that kind of just kind of cracked some things open for me. And I think for other people too. I mean, the Balance Bites podcast was wonderful, but it wasn't centered around my experiences as a mother, you know? So being on your all your all's podcast and being able to talk about that, I feel like really kind of set me on a path for a while. And then when I got pregnant for the second time, which we waited like five years to get pregnant. So there's quite a big gap between my girls. But I really was just like, you know, I'm going to step away and I'm just going to nurture. I just need to turn inward right now. I just didn't have much, much to put out there. Cause I just didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what having another kid was going to be like. I didn't know where I was going to give birth. And then March, 2020 happened. I was already pregnant. So March, 2020 happened. And it was just like, I really don't know what's going on and I don't know what I'm going to do. And it just felt really, really good to just process things inwardly because I process things that way anyhow. And yet, you know, I mean, you know, like you're out on the internet and it's like, you have to figure out what's even going to be helpful for people, like what you should outwardly and what's just better kept to yourself. And I I don't know. So anyway, the, the time I took away from the internet was actually really wonderful. And I don't think I would have been able to conceptualize any of the new projects that I've been working on without it. And the, the new projects have just gone so quickly and so effortless, well, not effortlessly, but just they've really just fallen into place so amazingly well. And I think part of that has to do with me having kind of stepped away for a while. So I know it's not good business to do that, but it was really good for me and hopefully for these these projects that I have in the works. So I don't know if that answered your question. Which in, <laughs> in retrospect probably is was good for business. It just took yeah. this point yeah. to like launch these new things and have the headspace for that. Yeah, I think you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And honestly, 
<laughs> As a business owner myself, I think it gave me, I'm on a sort of somewhat of an Instagram fast myself, but it gave me the courage mm-hmm. to also do the same. And I'm wondering, like while we're on the, because since I've taken my little like mini fast, I've gotten so many people asking me like, how is it? Like, what have you, like, what are you learning? Like, what do you miss? What do you notice that's different? Like, it, you know, obviously a lot of things things happened while you were on your Instagram break, major mm-hmm. life things. But like, mm-hmm. if you could share any like big takeaways about, you know, how life was different, the good and the bad. I, I know our listeners would love to hear that. Cause I know a lot of them are kind of in that same space. Like, should I take a break? Should I take a step away? Like, what yeah. do I need? You know? Ooh, I don't know if I have like the, the most elegant takeaway, but one thing that I did that might be worth being specific about is I didn't scroll Instagram either. I was just off Instagram. I haven't been on, well, I've checked in on Facebook a couple times because my neighborhood has a Facebook page there. So I have to see like who's feuding and whose dog pooped in whose yard and that type of thing. So I'll check in there, but only on my computer. I don't have it on my phone. But when I was gone from Instagram, I was gone from Instagram. I wasn't logging in and looking at things, but not posting. It was just a hundred percent, like just done with that. And I think that I don't think if it would have been as settling to my nervous system had I just kind of gone halvesies and stopped posting on Instagram, but kept scrolling. I don't think it would have been as good, but I do, I, I really do think it might like, it's like a reset for my nervous system a little bit and good Lord, beginning in March, 2020, I think we all kind of needed that. And Overall, I think I was probably picking up my phone a lot less. So it wasn't just a matter of willpower or not doing this thing. It was like I changed one thing. I got off Instagram and suddenly I feel like I was putting my phone down and forgetting where it was as as in like, that's a good thing. And I just felt more more settled. And I always felt like I would get back on at a certain time, maybe after the baby was a year old or just after the baby was born. And I didn't do that either. So it just, I felt a lot more in control, which is ridiculous that a little app on my phone could actually kind of be like the the force that's causing me to relinquish control of my life. It's just so, it, it feels kind of pathetic when I say it, but it was actually probably the act needed to take in order to recapture some of that agency that maybe I had just kind of let slip away that I have given to the internet. So I think it was a really good thing overall. I love that. I feel like I, I got a separate, it's not the same cause I still get on there, but I got a separate phone for Instagram, which our listeners mm-hmm. know, and it only can Wi-Fi. And really, I think that, I don't know, it triggered something in my brain where I scroll significantly less and I use it as like, it's like a work tool to post. So it's a lot of like putting content out, but I don't typically, sometimes I get in, I will be totally honest. I get in like rougher phases where I'm a little bit more attached to it, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, same thing, I'll forget where it is. I'm like, wow, where's my Instagram phone, you know? And then family's got to help me find it so I could post something or take a picture of what I'm making in the kitchen. And I have found that to be helpful, but I, I, gosh, someday. Instagram makes it hard though, especially if you're putting yourself out there as part of your business. It's like, Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. And then I also feel like, well, shoot, you know, how am I going to just post a cute thing of the baby? You know, like I got to have my phone on me at all times. And that sounds really silly. But at the same time, I'm like, I know that if I want to be here, I want to be showing up in people's feeds. And if you're not posting, you're not showing up for people. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you you get pulled into that really mm-hmm. fast. So I think, I love that idea. I think that's a really good idea. What it made you come- So it's easy to keep tabs on. <laughs> <laughs> what made you decide to come back? I really just kind of wanted to. 
It was weird. I really just kind of felt like it because I know, I think I'm an, probably an introvert. Maybe I have, I don't know if I come off that way or not in like group settings, but the way I recharge is, is very introverted. And it's natural for me to not want to be on Instagram. However, at the same time, I actually really do feel like I have this community of people online. And I've had some, you know, people cross over that bridge. One of my best friends in the entire world, I found her through the internet. She lives locally, but that's how we found each other. And so I know that like when people hop on there and they're like, I feel like we'd be, we would be friends in real life. I'm like, I believe you. I mean, this has happened. It happens. People find each other this way. So I do feel like I have people that care about me on the internet. And that means something to me. So I just kind of started feeling like I was ready to start communicating with people again and just like re, I don't know, re-enter that community that I feel like a lot of us kind of built together, kind of nerdy. And maybe people were like, yeah, I wasn't thinking about you at all. But I was like, I was thinking about you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we were always, we were thinking about you 24-7, Liz. Oh, (laughs) no, but honestly, we did get a lot of questions like, when is Liz going to come back? Like, we miss her. We miss her voice. Like, you know, asking us like in a roundabout way, like we miss her on the internet. Can you have her back on the podcast so that we can Mm. like hear her thoughts? So, I mean, all jokes aside, I, I really do think people miss you. And I think, you know, not to get nice. I I mean, but it's true. And not to get all sentimental. I mean, there's no reason not to, but like, I think for a lot of us in this space, you have always been just a very, like a voice of reason, a calm presence, you know, accepting and holding space and in a lot of different ways. And so I think once, you know, 2020 got kind of kicked off and a little bit off the rails, I think people were really missing that that voice of reason. And since you've come back, you know, just seeing some of the things that you have posted, nothing controversial really, but just Mm -mm. the ability to be just a balanced person on the internet. I think you don't realize how important that is for people. (laughs) Well, I I look for that too. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy that I can be that touch point for people because I look for the same thing. I mean, I know, I know Here's here's a little secret too, though. A lot of people that are being super controversial right now are doing it not because like we need to speak out. And there are certain things that we do need to either speak out about or be active in our personal lives and trying to make change. But there are a lot of people on the internet who are capitalizing on the algorithms that are c- causing them to become to blow up basically, to get Mm. more likes and more clicks and stuff like that. And for a lot of people talking about some of the controversial stuff is not really coming from a place of concern or altruism or social change. It's actually really coming from a desire to manipulate the algorithm. And I think that's really a bummer. So for me, I don't have that desire. I I, I don't think in algorithm first, in an algorithm first way, but I actually think I really, really think it's okay to not go there, to be just a, I don't know, be a dolly, you know, (laughs) be active in the ways that you can in your personal life and actually making change or trying to stimulate change in your communities. Because I think, and that's another thing we talk about, and I'm getting way off on a tangent, but (laughs) in our food systems, in our communities, in everything that we talk about, that you guys talk about on the podcast, and that I hope to talk about in my podcast, we're talking about getting to a micro level and cultivating small 
And I think that's important everywhere. I think a lot of times the stuff you put on the internet, it's just, you know, it's like peeing in a pool. You like, you put it on the internet, you get some likes and clicks and then it's gone. But if you're actually engaging at home, I think that's where people are actually impacted and things actually start to happen. So I don't think there's anything wrong with being on the internet and trying to be a nurturing open space, you know? I couldn't agree more. I felt that to my core this year. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Oh, thank you for going on that soapbox. That was a fantastic soapbox. And I think much needed, like (laughs) much needed for a lot of people to kind of hear. And I'm sure it's going to resonate with a lot of people too, because honestly, at the end of the day, it can feel super overwhelming to be like, I've got to say this, I've got to speak about this. I've got to have my opinion about this and I've Mm got to, you know, share this. And then, you know, you really think about it, especially with algorithm stuff. And we'll get into like the meaty stuff here in a minute stick with us, but it's like, who is it actually impacting? Like, you know, 200 people that are now seeing my stories because no one watches anything anymore because the algorithm (laughs) is like pinging me. It's like, I, I agree. I'd much rather like focus that effort in actual places where I feel like I can have an impact. So. And it ends up being an echo chamber anyway. You know, it's just people like, yeah, if I'm talking about it on the internet, then I'm doing my part. Uh, You sure? We sure about that? (laughs) It's very performative. Yeah, performative. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So to kind of transition, you're back. You're back on Instagram. You're doing all the things. And tell us about some of the new thing, the new projects that are like on your plate. The things that you're really excited about. And I know there's the new podcast, which at this point I think you'll have shared about it on your personal Instagram by the time this goes live. And then your athletic mom program, which I know a little bit about, but nobody else really does. Well, yes. And you sent out, I got your newsletter yesterday, was it? Yes. First one. Yeah. I was like, oh first my gosh, she, this is, you're, you're really back now. <laughs> Once you've done that, you can't go back. Yes. I mean, we've been working behind the scenes for like two months and I'm like, okay, this goes out. Like it's not, I can't just, I can't, <laughs> I can't go back and not do it next week. Like we're on, we're on a path, but I have a really amazing project manager now and she's keeping me accountable. And we just, we have these really amazing, you know, mastermind sessions and we just get so much done. It's been really, really cool. So, okay. I'll tell you about the podcast first, and I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but I'm sure by the time it airs, I will have put it out there. And actually, as of right now, there are three episodes available. So by the time this airs, there will undoubtedly be more, but we kind of released them, you know, and put them out there and didn't quite talk about it just to make sure everything was working and everything was connected and up and going. So we, the, the podcast is called Liz talks. It's in Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon. I mean, there's a million places you can listen to podcasts now and it's in all of them. And we launched it. And the inspiration behind that was just, I don't know. I prefer writing, but I have been told that I have a good podcast voice. So I thought, a hundred percent. Okay, good. So I figured I would give that a try. And I know, I don't know. I know my, my friends love listening to podcasts. I'm just such a strange, I'm such an odd duck because I really prefer reading. I'll read a podcast transcript rather than listen to it. I, I don't know why it's very strange, but it just sounded like a fun challenge. And I did miss it. I mean, Diane and I had eight years of the Balanced Bites podcast and it was tough to give up. It was the right time. There was so much happening and it it was time to to say goodbye to that podcast. But, you know, I did miss it. It's a fun way to communicate. It's a new challenge. It's something I can do from home, which is 
wonderful. So just, I figured I would go for it. So we're going to talk about everything on Liz Talks. It's just me. I'm aiming for about 30 minutes at a time. And I have just this huge list of stuff I want to talk about. I want to talk about my experience with like psychedelics, like mental health related psychedelics, IV ketamine. I want to talk about home birth, my C-section birth. I'm just ready to talk about a lot of these things. I feel like I processed, I mean, you guys know, I feel like I processed my C-section with my first daughter for like five years. And I don't know, I feel like I'm finally ready. And, And now since I kind of worked through that, I feel like other things are the the processing time is quicker on other things as well. So it just feels like I'm ready to talk about about stuff. So we'll talk about a ton of different things on that podcast. And then another project I started working on and this was totally out of personal experience. I have been working with this trainer Nick for like 4 years and he's a corrective exercise guru. He's just like world-class. I feel really, really lucky that I got in with him when I did because it's a lot harder to get in with him now. And his wife, Brittany, is actually my project manager. So we all were kind of in each other's orbits for like three years. And then we were finally like, we need to work together on something. Like we have good, positive relationships. Our families get along really well. Like we're, we're in each other's worlds now. And they just had their first baby. He's so cute. Oh my God. But it all just fit together really well. So I had this idea one day and I pitched it to Nick and Britt. And I don't get too hung up on the name, but Athletic Mom. And they were like, okay, keep going. And I was like, all right, the thing that has been the most impactful for the last four years been exercising for longevity, for long-term health, for mobility, for not, not just to be able to do some like active prowess. Like back when I was doing CrossFit, I was like, my goal is to do a muscle up or my goal is to do a pull up or whatever it is. I stopped training for these kind of, I don't know, shows of prowess. And I started training just for, for me, for my family, for being for the long haul. And on top of that, I also started doing some sports. So you've got that athletic stuff in there and my self-esteem, my confidence, my, my feeling when I woke up in the morning, just everything just changed for me when I put all of those pieces together. It was so profound. I was like, we have to pack it up because number one, people need this. A, they need to see somebody who's a regular human being and not a fitness professional training on the internet. They need to see a person doing that and feel like they can do it too. And they can do it with me, which is one of the reasons why I've been posting my workouts pretty consistently because I feel like people like to see that and feel like I, if she can do this, I can do this. So that's part of the reason. And then also the fact that I know that not everybody has the time, ability, to engage with a one-on-one trainer. So a lot of the things that I want to do and the issues that I've had after having babies with posture, with mobility, with just feeling a little bit like I needed to, I don't know, fix isn't the word, but just, you know, promote some circulation, get some movement going, like all of those things to feel like the best version of myself that I engaged my trainer for. I know there are people out there that are the exact same way that have the exact same needs that I do and packaging all of this up together in an eight week workout program with minimal equipment that you need minimal space for and minimal monetary and time investment. It just made so much sense. So people can do what I'm doing 
with a one-on-one trainer without the expense, without the need to go off to some gym facility that allows it, all of that stuff. So we packaged it all up and we kind of created an eat, play, move framework, not kind of, we did create an eat, play, move framework. So Nick is a trainer, really passionate about corrective exercise, about strength and about athleticism. Brittany is actually a nutritionist. So she helped put together this really simple, and Jess, you know, because you worked with us on this, a really simple, not nutrition program, because the last thing I want to do is put more on somebody's plate. Like by this point, people basically know what makes them feel best, what to eat to make them feel best. I don't care what it is. I probably used to, maybe 10 years ago, I would have been like, the only way to feel good is to eat this way. But I don't believe that anymore. So the things we do know, or one of the things that we do know is that For those of us moms, whether you're 30 or 70, we need adequate protein. We need ideas for getting that protein in throughout the course of the day. And we need that protein to maintain muscle mass as we age. That's a huge, huge, huge factor in aging healthfully. And so that was a big part of the nutrition plan, how to get that protein, where to get it from, and trying to make it easier for folks. And then just like drinking more water and kind of putting faith in people that they know how to build the rest of their plate, whatever it might be. I mean, we're all adults. We know what makes us feel like crap and what doesn't. So we made the nutrition portion really elegantly simple. Got some really great recipes that Jess developed. So that's amazing. And then we've got the play portion, which is sort of the athleticism portion where we're encouraging people to take up sports or train in a way that makes them feel like, yeah, I'm an athlete. I'm a freaking athlete because The core ethic of the program is that we're athletes and everything that we do during the course of the day requires strength, athletic capacity, flexibility, mobility, all of it. So that's where it all came from. And you can probably tell I'm really excited. And also that I don't have a very good elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was wonderful. First and foremost, I just want to like point out something before we dive into the... What? What did I do? No, no, it was amazing. You were like, this, I think, is a missing link that people are unable to do. You said, I used to think that there was a way to eat that was the right way. And I don't think that anymore. And I just want to say bravo to you for changing your mind and actually admitting that like <laughs> you changed your mind. Because I feel like so many people cling to like this idea and it's so hard to pivot or mm-hmm. change your mind once you get new information or your life change or your worldview is expanded. Like... I just want to point that out, that that's amazing. And thank you for saying that. <laughs> and you're on a podcast oh, well, too, where we don't, we don't do elevator pitch or succinct <laughs> ever. So <laughs> this is why I'm here. This is why I'm here. Thank goodness for that. Oh, so good. Um, and I, I believe wait. it too. It's I really so do. Awesome. I believe that. I feel like, ooh, my thoughts are not fully formed on this right now, but I do feel like for many people, and you can never say, you could never make a blanket statement, right? So if I ever sound like I'm making a blanket statement, either call me out on it or just know that I don't really mean to apply one standard or one conjecture or whatever to everyone. But I feel like for most people or for many people, or maybe just people like me, having that really, words are escaping me, but having that really narrow concept of what is healthy and what's not healthy Mm -hmm. and saying you have to eat like this for optimal health, for strength, for longevity, for performance, you have to do that. Okay, yeah, there's probably a a, a bracket 
of things that most people would benefit from eating or keeping an eye on, you know, like real food from nature for the most part, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. But at the same time, I feel like we're pulling a bunch of different levers at the same time, right? We're pulling the lever of what we eat for our physical health. And at the same time, the lever of of our mental health is moving and your mental health impacts your physical health and your physical health impacts your mental health. So as you're moving these levers up and down, I'm doing it with my hands right now. You can't see me, (laughs) but you're moving these levers and pulling one also moves the other. And then there are a bunch of other little levers that are also moving as you're pulling these levers. And I think a lot of the really rigid ideology around diet is often a way to disguise what is actually a rigid ideology of what is acceptable for a body to look like. Mm -hmm. So we use words like health and longevity and performance and paleo, vegan, pegan, whatever. And what we're really doing is trying to justify a means for changing our bodies and making them maybe more acceptable to us or more acceptable to society. Yeah. And having an excuse for like disordered eating. Yeah. Yeah. I think I really do think so. And I think that's often true. I think it's true more often than I thought it was and probably more often than not. Mm -hmm. And that's, there is no athletic mom. There is no mention. It's not like you need to be something that you're not. The whole point of the program is recognizing what you already are. So we're already athletes. Some of us are in training. Some of us aren't, but we are moms. We are athletes. We don't need to be anything other than what we are, but here are some tools for maintaining that muscle. So you really are well and have a long, healthy life with your children. That's it. I know me too. (laughs) Me too. I love it. So do you want me to tell you what it is? I kind of told you what it is, but I'll tell you what it is, is. Tell us more. Okay. It's going to be an on... it's a, we have it all filmed and I was a fitness model for it. So, hey, hey. you know, Nick coaching me being the fitness model, which was really fun. And I about it because it's whatever we can make jokes about things without, you know, taking it too seriously, but it was actually really fun. And I learned that I actually move really well. And maybe that's four years of training with Nick. I don't know, but I move well. And I think I demonstrated all of the different exercises and, you know, mobility movements and I think I executed them well. So basically it's an online program. The most significant portion is the training slash move portion. It's eight weeks of workouts. And I believe we the three or four workouts a week. And it's not because you have to do three or four workouts a week, but we wanted people to have more rather than less. So people can choose what they want to do. They want to work out four days, go for it. If not, you know, strip it down. That's totally fine. But we've got eight weeks of three or four a week. And if Nick is listening to this, he's probably screaming into his phone, like the correct number, but, but anyway, but there's plenty there. So there's a ton of workouts there, unique workouts that Nick programmed and designed for mobility, flexibility, athleticism, and longevity. So they're really fun. They're all bands and kettlebell based. So we have an equipment list. Folks can run out and grab like probably around $150 worth of equipment if they don't already have access to that equipment at home or in their gym. Kettlebell, bands, maybe a mat, that's about it. And a, and a slam ball or a med ball. And all of the workouts are built around that. So we, we in the future, we're going to have other programs within Athletic Mom that use more equipment that are kind of geared in different directions. But that's what we have in this sort of debut 
package with Athletic Mom. It's the eight weeks of workouts. It's the nutrition guidance and recipes. And it's also some resources for finding other athletic endeavors in your community and also some warm-ups for athletics. So I found a tennis community that really helped motivate me in so many different ways. When I started playing tennis, and I don't play very much right now, I get to play maybe twice a month. But when I was playing more tennis, when I just had the one daughter and she was in preschool and I could go play a little bit, I was like, Nick, I want to train to be better at tennis. I want to train to be able to move quickly, you know, and all of that ended up translating to life. But that was my motivation. And I'll share this and I'm going to be really vague about it because I have to check with the, make sure they're okay if I share more specifically. And maybe I'll be able to do that in my podcast. But someone very close to me who had a catastrophic medical event that should have changed their, that should have whipped them into shape, I'll say that, was not motivated by the catastrophic medical event. That person in my life took up a sport. And when they took up that sport, that's when they decided, hey, I want to get more flexible. I want to get more mobile. I want to get more healthy because I want to play that sport. The power of sports is just unbelievable. It's unparalleled. And we get a little bit of that in CrossFit. I think, I don't think we get all of that from CrossFit because I do think, you know, there there are differences. But sport, I mean, it's so powerful for kids. There's no reason why it shouldn't continue to be powerful for adults. So that's why that component is so important that it's not just training and eating. It's also the play component, finding a sport, finding an athletic endeavor, whether that's with your family or by yourself, whatever it is, finding that. And and we're hoping to help people find a community that they can plug into. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. I love it. Hi friends, Laura here with a quick break to tell you a little bit about one of our absolute favorite products and companies. Our friends at Paleo Valley are on a mission to help people reclaim vibrant health, providing products that prioritize nutrient density in an industry that prioritizes everything else. They believe that every dietary choice and every added ingredient is a powerful opportunity to love and care for ourselves. And we couldn't agree more. I love the Organ Complex and C-Serum for everyday holistic health support. And the beef and turkey sticks are our favorite travel essentials when we're out in the van. And right now we are digging the super greens. They're organic, they're non-GMO, and they contain the actual ingredients that you can use that aren't going to cause inflammation. And right now you can get 15% off of your Paleo Valley order with the code MODERNMAMAS. Check it out. One of the original reasons why I found CrossFit a long time ago was you know, I was an athlete in high school and, you know, did sports, recreational, all different kinds of things. And then it was like, once school was over or once like organized quote unquote sports was over, it was like, what do I do now? Like, yes. <laughs> there's nothing, I go to the gym yeah. walk on the treadmill and that's my exercise. This was me in college. So, and it's the worst. It's so and, boring. Yeah. It's so boring. And Tim and I, my husband talk about that all the time. He, cause he was also a competitive athlete and it's like, we just miss that feeling of there's community, there's play, there's fun. There's, it's not just the act of like getting physically stronger or, you know, more agile or all that stuff that comes with playing a sport. But it's like, I don't know. It's like collaborative depending on the sport that you're, you know, choosing to participate in. I am just so excited for your program. Is it live right now? It, I don't, when is this podcast going live? Oh, that's quarter one. Okay. Quarter one. (laughs) Okay. So yes, Q1 is when Athletic Mom is going to come out and we're doing, you know, obviously I was off the internet for a while. So again, not great for business, but we're trying to work up some community type 
stuff. I mean, virtual community type stuff to lead into it. So people can at least get a taste of what we want to do for a couple of weeks before they buy in. So I think we'll hopefully start that in January and then launch the program for the first time in February. I think January, people are still trying to kind of work out what the year is going to look like for them. They're deciding if they want to keep their gym memberships, all of that stuff. So we're going to give people some time to work that through their systems, figure out what they're, you know, what they're really craving, what they need, not just what they think they need or what they go into the new year thinking, hey, I'm going to do this thing. Sometimes, I mean, me included, I need a couple of weeks to be like, all right, so I was thinking it was going to go like this and (laughs) none of that seems like it's going to happen. So (laughs) what's, what's this year really going to look like for me? So we'll be launching in Q1 for sure. And it's going to be, it's just going to be so fun. I'm just so excited. And this is something it's okay. So it's me, it's Brit, it's Nick, but, and, and Brit just had her first baby. She's also a Pilates instructor. So she's going to be working up a ton of postpartum content. We actually already have some pregnancy fitness content within baby making and beyond that Brit also filmed when she was like, a lot of weeks pregnant. I don't know, like full belly weeks pregnant. And that was great. So that exists elsewhere, but we want to expand this. We want moms of all ages. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to be the fitness model for every, every program that we put together under the athletic mom umbrella. We're going to expand and we're going to bring people more and more content. And we're just really excited about it. Like we just love, we just love the idea and we've had so much fun collaborating on it. So I just can't wait for everybody to see it. So cool. Love it. <laughs> I don't think we talk enough about how moms are athletes. So like, I'm really digging that whole approach too. And yes. athletes, like the, just the, the amount we move every day to keep up with our kids. And to, like yes. motherhood is a lot, I don't know if this is going to be a bad thing to say, but it's a lot easier when you're physically able to squat down, stand up, sit down, yeah. get up. Like it just, it makes, there's, motherhood's not easy, but it's easier if you can, embrace your athleticism that you already have a hundred percent and I feel like I rambled about that I know we wanted to talk about other things so we can move on (laughs) if we want to no this is great I think it's a great segue into like the I think the final thing we really wanted to kind of get caught up with was your your second birth experience and as much as you athletic mom you Right. (laughs) And so, I mean, as much as you feel comfortable sharing, and I know when you first came on our podcast way back when there was, you know, some processing that happened there through that. And I know you said like things kind of process faster now that you've actually worked through a lot of that first experience, but would love to hear as much as you're comfortable sharing, like how it went, how it was different, similar, how you planned for it your expectations and if they were met, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, as much as you want to share, friend. Feels so timely for me right now. To I know. So you, have you shared, Laura, what, like what your plans are, community? Yes. Home birth. Okay. I, I think everyone knows at this point. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you've got that all figured yes. out. So, okay. So obviously this was like mid pandemic time. So I started out and I'll, I don't, we probably have like 20 minutes left. So if there's more to share, I'm going to also do a a podcast for Liz Talks on this within the next couple of weeks. So if people want more information, they can probably go there if we don't get everything out in time. But okay, so I feel like I need to preface this by saying I deliberately sought out only positive birth experiences and sought out like on social media, birth experiences that mirrored what I wanted mine to look like. 
So for me, that was very important. I just couldn't handle anything outside of those boundaries. I needed to see powerful, raw, but harmonious and triumphant births because I wanted to mirror that in my experience. I think if I had sought out the good, the bad, or no, if I had sought out the bad and the ugly, I probably would have been too freaked out to actually have a home birth, especially a home birth after a C-section. So I'm going to share some of the bad and the ugly here, but Jess and I have already talked about like prefacing this by saying, I'm not meaning this as broadly applicable to anybody else's experiences. Okay, so just because it feels to me a certain way doesn't mean it's going to feel that way to anybody else. So here was my first mistake. (laughs) Okay, Laura, you had had a vaginal birth with Evie. Yes, it was vaginal. It was very fast. It was very kind of like seamless. Yes. So you know what I it feels that. like. I know what it feels like yes. to have a baby come out of my vagina. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I did not know, uh, and this never even occurred to me. It's so obvious, but I didn't know what that felt like. I had my my thoughts. I had my assumptions about what it felt like, like that a baby would be coming out of my vagina and could kind of imagine what that was going to feel like. But there's absolutely, for me, there is no way I could ever have come up with what it felt like ahead of time. I never could have imagined Mm -hmm. it. So there was definitely a moment, having had a C-section birth the first time, which recovery from that kind of surgery requires its own type of athleticism and compensation and a whole different type of healing. But I, the, and surgery hurts, right? It was just an entirely different universe to have a bee come out of my vagina. It was just completely different. So anyway, so the point is, and you can probably hear it in my voice, I was just a little, a lot dumbfounded after the baby was actually out of my body. I mean, I remember sitting there. I mean, I have a video of this. We didn't have a birth videographer or birth photographer. But my doula did film it. And I was like, after the fact, I was like, please don't share that with me if there's any sound to the video. Because, you know, the noises that you make, it wasn't even, you know, you think of like primal, like guttural noises. No, I was just ugly screaming. Like I was, this isn't going to help anybody. So I feel like I should rewind and not say any of this stuff. But I'm here and it's fine. We're okay. We're great. I mean, she's the best baby. Like all is well after the fact. But I remember if I could prepare myself for this ahead of time, I would sit down with myself and say, self, it is going to rock your world and not completely in the goddess, lioness, you know, primal, beautiful birth video way that you've been watching on Instagram. It is going to make you feel messy and, and I'm trying to think of a word that's not, I have some descriptors in my mind, but I don't think that I want to use them. But it's right gonna, open. <laughs> you're going to feel gnarly as F, man. Like it's ripped open, shredded a little bit, like all of those things, but it's going to be okay. 
And that's what I didn't know in the moment. I didn't know in the moment. I was like, I don't know what is happening. I don't know what just happened. Are we okay? And I didn't have that. And so now I'm like, I have to have a third one because now I understand. And now I'll know that everything is normal and I can have that moment. I'm like, oh gosh, my baby, you know, and all of that. But I was literally just laying there, like staring at the ceiling right after kind of like, was that okay? Are we okay? You know? And so it was just not that goddess primal situation that I thought it was going to be. And I think had I had the experience beforehand of vaginal birth in a place where I felt really comfortable, or if somebody had just told me that it was going to feel like a bowling ball out of my butt, if somebody had just told me that, I think I would have been a little bit less just smacked about the whole experience, you know? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I do. (laughs) Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, I think my first experience was probably similar to maybe this experience that you're talking about. It's like, you almost need someone to tell you you're going to be completely out of control. You're not going to know yourself or what is happening, at least for my, this was my experience. But again, what you said at the end, but you're going to be okay. Like, cause you don't have that perspective. Like you think, oh my God, like this is the most intense anything has ever been in my whole life, physically, emotionally, mentally. And I don't think I'm going to make it, but you do make it, you know, and there is an other side of it. So I totally understand. Like, I'm just nodding my head along like, yeah, yeah, I I get that. I remember. Okay, good. Cause I, and it's that feeling, you know what? I think maybe I believed that it would be intense, painful, primal, all of those things, but within the bounds of control, you know, and there was no control. And I think that was the, I mean, maybe there was control, but in my mind, there was no control. Things were going completely, not that they were going off the rails. Nothing crazy was happening. I was just giving birth like bajillions of women on the planet for since time immemorial. But my mind felt like everything was being ripped from my control. And that really messed with me, I think. And that probably speaks to, you know, the next round of processing that I need to do just to be a, you know, just, you know, self that, that's work on ourselves that we all like to do all the time because, because it's fun just to peel back those layers, but it certainly felt that way. And I think, you know, the, the home birth thing kind of came about, it was not always my intention. And I'll share this here because I feel like the community is receptive to it, but I had some energy work done like a year before I got pregnant and she's this acupuncture slash massage therapist and she does energy work. And I'm like, whatever, just I'll lay here and you pay attention to me for an hour and it'll feel good. And she sat down with me after, cause you do this recap. And she was like, I think you should have another baby. And I think you should have a home birth. And I was like, <laughs> like you're crazy. Because with my first, I wanted to have a birth center birth. And I was sort of, you know, when we found out that my daughter was breached when I had been in labor for hours and I came into, you know, you're supposed to labor at home. I came into the birth center and they were like, oh, she's breached. And within, you know, minutes, there's an ambulance taking me to the hospital. And so at that point, I was like, I'm just going to go to the hospital. No, at that point, I didn't even want to have another kid. But in my mind, I was like, if I did, it would be in the hospital and I would be with this amazing OB that I found that I still love and that I've referred multiple people to and I'll feel safe. We'll be there in case, you know, anything needs to happen, whatever the experience needs to be, it's going to be. And that's cool. When she told me it was supposed to, it, that I should have a home birth, I just 
laughed at her. And it didn't, it didn't even occur to me again. I didn't do any of my decision-making based on what she told me. But it was funny because I was all set up with an OB and was under her care up until, actually up until the end, but ended up engaging the services of these home birth midwives and giving birth at home. And I never, ever, ever would have thought I would be in that situation my second birth. I looked into it with my first, but it was not even on my radar with my second. So I think the pandemic probably has something to do with that. The fact that I didn't even know if my support person would be in the hospital with me, that I started to think about other possibilities. But but that's where we ended up. And it, it's funny too, because our house was under construction and it was supposed to be, we were redoing our bathrooms of all things. And it got delayed for like 60 days or something due to due to covid and so rather than having this beautiful new shower to have a baby in we had to have the baby in like this dark corner of my basement <laughs> in my office so it was just not this like beautiful you know the, the things that i was watching on instagram was not it was not that but she's an amazing baby She's incredible. She was eight pounds at birth. I mean, it was a lot. It hurt. And I really felt like I was healing for almost six months after that. Neither of you all, I don't think, have had C-sections in the past, but I did feel like my C-section recovery was actually more straightforward than my vaginal birth recovery. And it just goes to show you that it's so different from person to person. Absolutely. Gosh, thank you for sharing all of that. That's, I mean, our I was kind of laughing a little bit because you were like in the corner of my dark basement. But then I was like, you know, that's pretty primal, you know, because like most <laughs> most animals find like a dark, small space to give birth. You know, you're just I can see that. I can see that. Your roots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was wedged between like, you know, a bunch of old stuff from our farm, some chicken netting and my <laughs> office. <laughs> but if I needed like any lip gloss, I could have just turned around and grabbed one off the shelves. Yep. No problem. Oh, so oh my gosh. And so how do you feel like, you know, you said obviously the physical recovery was, you know, different. How do you feel mm-hmm. like that the mental processing was it similar? Do you feel like it was way different with, you know, how did that compare? You know, I think there are probably still things that I need to handle. I mean, there's, there's some things that I'm still a little sad about that, that we didn't get to experience. And, and, but I think that I have the tools to put those things on a shelf for when I'm ready for it. You know, I'm not trying to suppress it. I'm just saying, okay, that's there. Now's not a good time. So I'm going to put it here and, and I'm going to be ready for that eventually. And I think that's, I think that's been pretty powerful for me in general. I think, you know, once you get some experience processing something and once you kind of figure out what works for you, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out how to kind of work through my birth with my first. I mean, I went to a therapist that was not a good fit found another therapist that was great that I still see today. And we tried a couple different modalities. Like I thought EMDR was going to be really important for me. I found this therapist because she did EMDR and that didn't end up being the really powerful tool that we thought it was going to be. And so we worked through some other tools and I did some medical hallucinogen therapy, which was amazing, kind of helped to rebuild some of those connections between neurons. So I feel like 
those that maybe four or five years that I spent really working on things. And I know not everyone has the luxury to do that stuff. So one of the reasons I want to share about all of these things is because maybe make people's learning curve or make their process of discovery a little bit shorter. Because not, I mean, I flopped around for a while. And, but I think once I got all of those tools and once I kind of figured out what worked for me as far as sort of sorting through different life events, I think I have a pretty functional way of doing so and also a, a pretty elegant way of holding myself accountable. I mean, I'm, I'm very honest with myself when I'm maybe shoving something down a little bit and, you know, maybe sometimes I need to shove it down for a while. Very capable of identifying that and holding myself accountable for that. So I don't know. It's just interesting. I think there are things that I still need to work through. Some of the things I hesitate to talk about publicly because I don't know who's going to be listening. Sometimes I assume people are not going to listen and then they, and then they, but there are definitely some choices that I would have made differently. And I certainly went into this home birth hoping it was just going to be this perfect goddess, you know, lioness. When an experience kind of makes the previous experience feel better. What's that word? Like a redeeming experience? Redeeming, yes, that it would be redeeming. And I actually would say it was not redeeming. However, what was redeeming about that was realizing that I didn't need to be redeemed from the first experience. And some people, it is a redeeming experience. And that's beautiful too. I think, you know, we all we all just operate differently and our, our brains make connections a little bit differently. So for me personally, I would like people to know that you don't have to redeem anything. It's a beautiful thing if you feel that redeeming experience and you know maybe I'm maybe I envy that I'm not sure but at the same time it was actually really powerful for me to realize that I didn't need I didn't need a salve for the first experience I didn't need to redeem it or fix it both of them had their ugly parts both of them had their beautiful parts I never you know I probably would not have gotten pregnant again if I hadn't been able to form a relationship with the surgeon who did my C-section. I mean, she was so, so, so amazing. And I was like, if she ever goes out on her own, if she ever goes independent and is doing all her own births, I think that's when I'll have another baby. And she did. And I was like, okay, I can get pregnant now. Dr. Ferris has her own practice. So, so I'm good. I can get pregnant. So I don't think that would have happened without her. So things link up. It's incredible. But you know, you just kind of have to let it be what it is. I really, I, I'm still learning to let go of expectations. That's incredibly cool. This is bringing up so much for my birth, to be honest, because my biggest word for Evie's birth, like my main, main focus was the word surrender. Because mm-hmm. in, my, like, in my life, I tend to need to maintain control and focus a lot on that and can be a little bit A-type. And so I really, and I, I don't know, I just, I, it's making me, I, I'm really grateful for you sharing for so many reasons, but also because I'm moving into this next birth with, I think more expectation than I had with Evie because I've done it before. And it can be hard to not be like, oh, it's going to be similar or, you know, this baby's going to come two, day, two days early also. And it's going to be under seven hours and like, but, but who knows? So like, it's a really powerful reminder for me continue to lean into surrender because we can't control. That's one of the things that makes birth so beautiful, but also so damn hard. Right. <laughs> right. We I can't know. control it. Because we can't, it, we really can't. It's not going to be within, I mean, maybe it is, but that doesn't mean it's a rule that it's going to be within the bounds that, you know, that we can outline for it. It might be for a lot of people, but for others, it might not. And I think for me, I really, really strongly felt, and really, this is, this is such an, such an interesting lesson for me that I've kind of learned the same lesson in both like a planned midwifery clinic turned 
emergency hospital C-section and home birth. These two just such such different experiences and such different and to learn from both of them that you just can't you just have to like let go mm-hmm. which surrender that's that word that's that word that you're using I don't have any I don't have any regrets now I'm kind of curious I want to have another one and have it in the hospital with an epidural just so I can have the full range <laughs> of <laughs> experiences uh, you know and and it's I I love kind of that parting sentiment. It's like, you can do all the things X, Y, Z, and still like you're, it's just going to unfold the way that it unfolds, right. you know, because there's so many moving parts, the people that you choose, the weather, you know, like your bathroom tile, not getting there on time. <laughs> like, there's just so many things <laughs> that really can affect it. And it's like, I just, I love that. I love that. And I love what you said about it not having to be redeemed because it is what it is. And you know, that's the way that it happened and, and you've processed through it. I don't know. So many thoughts. This is going to be, I think it's going to be a great way to kind of kick off this birth series that birth story series that we're doing, because it's kind of segueing or laying the path and like, everyone's got their own story and it's going to look different. And that's, it's still, wait, I'm kicking off a series. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, you guys. The rest of the series promises to be much better than part one. Oh, this is amazing. People, just, around. people want to hear from you. Remember we did our, our virtual retreat and I feel like we, we asked for feedback. Like, why did you attend? And I was like, because we wanted to hear from Liz. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just hope that I... So when we were doing the new about page for... We redid Real Food Liz to, for the site. I was like, I just want to be useful to people. I really just want to be useful. And I was like, but that's so dumb. Like, you can't put that on an about page. Like, hi, I'm Liz, and I want to be useful to you. You're supposed to be like, I'm Liz, and I'm going to empower you to make a million dollars in two days. Like, it's just, (laughs) I really, like, it it really is my, and maybe that's an Enneagram thing, an Enneagram six thing, is that I really do want to be useful to people. And I'm really, really grateful that I have stumbled upon a way to do that. I love it. I can't wait to check it all out and to listen to your voice again. Like, you were the reason... I don't even care who listens to this. You're the reason I listen to the Balanced Minds podcast because Aww. your voice, like when you took a, some leave, when you, after having your first baby, I was like, come back. I do. I have. So sometimes I listen to myself on the podcasts that I've done, like the last three Liz Talks podcasts that I recorded. And I can descend into kind of a, like a raspy, like, uh, you know, just kind of tired, hungover voice. But I think maybe I have a decent tone in my voice. Like, I think I can sound fairly soothing if I want to. So I get that. I, I, I get that. I also like... Also the content, my friend. The content. Oh, <laughs> thank you for that. But I do. I do. Like, I, I want to, you know, take a podcast voice class. Ooh, you, yeah. could, you could give one. You could. Some voice you and I voice. really liked narrating my book. I narrated Eat the Oaks and that was really fun. I think it worked out well. So maybe I have a second career in I my back so. pocket. <laughs> I think about you sometimes when I'm reading, when I'm reading a chapter book to Evie, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did she sit and just like read for hours on end? I don't know. I think I was pregnant at the time. I start to go blurry. (laughs) It was blurry. (laughs) My singing voice is not good though. So I won't be singing at any point. Bummer. Yeah. What about the singing chapter of Eat the Yolks? The singing. Oh, right. That one (laughs) got left out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's like, what was that book? The Red Tent. Isn't that about, there's some book about like a woman's book in the Bible that didn't make it into the Bible. 
So there's the singing chapter of Eat the Yolks that didn't make that it. That didn't make it. Eat the Yolks. I think I read that. I could see that being a missing chapter from the Bible. That was a good book. So good. I haven't read it in a long time. I read, we were talking about Secret Santa gifts. I was asking a friend of mine, I was like, what do I get for, for my the gal that I got for Secret Santa? And she was like, get anything. It doesn't matter. She's like, get her a book. I was like, well, I just read a book about like really depressed and sad people in like Crimea during a war. She was like, maybe not that book. <laughs> <laughs> right spot. <Bye> again. <laughs> mm, sorry. How about just a beauty counter? Cool. Okay. And onward. Oh, lip glosses are great do that well is there anything that you want to know did I miss anything I know I kind of just talked around the birth story and I, I don't know did I miss something no. I have a question that you can feel free to say no to okay coming into having two daughters that are further apart in age than mm -hmm. like the standard quo mm -hmm. how's that if you don't mind sharing how that dynamic has been Yes. Selfish question over here. No, I love that question. And that was on my mind all the time leading into it. So I think this is going to be different from child to child. So I've never met Evie Wilder in person. Mm -hmm. So depending on her personality, perhaps she will be, we have some neighbor girls who are my daughter's age and they're very gentle and sweet. And maybe that's because they're not her sister. And maybe that's just because kids have different dispositions with regards to their siblings. I don't know, but they're very gentle and sweet with the baby. My daughter, who is six, is very not gentle. <laughs> she is sweet, but she is not gentle. And it's the wonderful thing about it is that you can communicate with Evie. Like she, you guys can dialogue, like you're in a groove. She understands what you're saying to her. So that part is great. I will say the most surprising thing for me is that my six year old and my one and change year old fight just like I fought with my daughter when we were three years apart and just like my cousins fought and they were like two years apart. So I just think sibling rivalry mm. is just built into the genes. And I think Dang. it's probably important because they learn from each other in that way. But my daughter has certainly not been, you know, I mean, she's been, she's super helpful. The baby loves her. I mean, she wakes up in the morning just asking for her. She wants to go right over to the other room. So that's really sweet. But there's, you know, like with anything else, there's good, bad, and ugly. And it's, but it's interesting. And I really have enjoyed the fact that I can communicate with my oldest and we can actually dialogue that they're in such different stages of life where my oldest is starting sports and we sent her to school this year. We homeschooled last year. And I don't feel like I'm having to balance two kids with similar schedules. So that's really nice too. The baby just kind of comes along with everything and, and, there's no kind of competition with that. So I don't have any experience with kids that are closer together, but that's been really, it's been good. Overall, it's been a good thing. So. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be fun to see if he has a big sister too. Oh gosh. I, I can't wait. And we have moments where she's like overjoyed. I can't wait to meet you. I love baby sister more than anything. And then other where she's like, yesterday morning, we had a hard time getting out the door for fourth mm -hmm. school. And like, what is going on? And she was just like, there's a lot of change. It's like, oh my gosh. Oh my, my gosh. Heart. Yeah. And you She's articulated it. And I love yeah. you so much for that. I, I forget that sometimes because mm -hmm. my first is a little bit like me. She just doesn't, there'll be something wrong and she won't just out with it. And so last night we were really struggling. Last night was just not a good night. And finally I was like, ding. I was like, did something happen at school? And she goes, yes. Bennett punched me in the stomach. Oh. <laughs> I was like, 
Oh, like, and just the fact that she didn't just jump right in the car right after school and tell somebody that it's so me. It's like something could have happened five seconds ago and I will have already internalized it and not, you know, and it won't come out just in the course of normal conversation. I would have to be prompted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I got the full scoop and we worked through it and everything. And that was the solution in the moment. But I spent hours just being like, why is she acting like this? And then I was like, oh yeah, ask if something happened at school. So, you know, there's, it's my, my issue that, that is a limiting factor in these, in these situations where I forget to ask a question or, you know, it's not her fault. No, it never is. You're asking still. And that's huge. Like I Mm -hmm. learn every day, like, oh my gosh. I could have done that better. <laughs> have you all had Hannah and Kelty on the show? Twice, yeah. I love them so much. And I've sent them questions before where I'm just like, yeah, all this sounds good, but what if your six-year-old is a sociopath? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they probably got a good laugh out of that Does too. it still work? And they're like, yes, it still works. Still. And, and I grapple with some of their stuff too. There are moments where I'm like, yeah, but, but, but not that, you know, like it's okay until you get to this point. Yeah. Well, every so, kid's so different. Yeah, every kid is so different, but their stuff, I mean, has, has been helpful, but I have to give myself grace too, because I, I tend to be like, you know, you know what you're supposed to do. Why aren't you doing it? Why can't you figure this out? <laughs> and I get that uh, parenting too. It's like, I think the reason I get so stressed out and I'm, you know, this is something I'm dealing with too, is as I'm raising these kids, it's like, I was with the aware parenting, with the crying in arms, with the embracing the tantrums, with all of those things up till like four years old. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, now you're base. Now you should know better. Now you should be able to tell me what's wrong. And now you should not be out of control. And so that's something that I'm grappling with, with my oldest, where I have to question myself, whether these bounds of accept- acceptable that I'm kind of putting on her, whether they're just my own limitations and my own mind, things that I can't navigate around roadblocks that I have that I'm sort of foisting boundaries upon her because I can't handle behavior outside of those boundaries or if the behavior is actually out of bounds you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so I'm working on that a lot and it's really hard because so smart and she's so articulate but I'm still like how are you acting like this and really that's that's me that's me thinking deep down that if my kids are quote unquote misbehaving or unhappy or freaking out or what melting down, whatever it is, that that somehow says something about me as a parent or a shortcoming that I have. And I've always kind of had this need to compensate for, for any, you know, shortcomings that I have to make sure that they're covered up, they're not seen. And I think kids just really lay all of that bare. So you know, it's, it's hard to remember that this is all coming and from me. And I want them to embrace them. that too. And like, hold on to that. And sometimes yeah. I wonder if it's something like that I wasn't allowed to express as a kid and yes. like everything in my body's like, well, you can't express that, you know, that kind of Yes. Thing. Yes. Ugh, yeah. Man, it's or- so hard. <laughs> it is so hard. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for all of that. It's the, the solidarity. I mean, that's, I think that's yes. why this podcast has been what it is because sharing openly and our listeners are like, oh my gosh, they see their story and, and yours. So there's a lot of power in that. Well, I'm just happy to be on this journey with you guys. It's so fun. Yeah. You should have a third. <laughs> oh my God. So up until well, that's that how six it is. months, <laughs> I was like, yes, I want to no. no, I was like, no, no, never again, never. And then all of a sudden I was like, I want, I should, we need to have another one like now. And I swear to you, we were like this close. 
And then like the next day we started having all of these like sleeping things and teething things. And I was like, nope, nope, shop's closed. Universe shop's closed. <laughs> has made a statement. Yep, yep, yep. But I still think about it. I would be an older mom, that's for sure. I would probably be it. If we started now, I would probably be into my 40s before, you know, getting out of diapers. But, you know, it's all good. That's the new 20. It is. You're 100% right. <laughs> like that. Well, friend, oh my gosh, I feel like we could keep talking forever. I know you have. I knew it would go so fast. <laughs> I know you you both have some things to go attend to, but I think this is going to be so powerful. And I I was like, just as you were talking about your experience with two, there was so much I was just nodding my head along with because yeah, I mean, all the things. And I think you and I are very similar about like the reflection, how our parenting reflects on ourselves and all the things, but I just mm-hmm. am so grateful for your voice and your voice of reason and for coming on. We we so appreciate you, friend. Well, someday yeah, let's all get in a room together and record one. Yes. Oh, we'll make dream. it. Yeah. I'm, we're so moving fun. to Wyoming within the next like <gasps> year or two. It's closer to you. Well, Laura, you know, we're converting a Sprinter van, so we'll drive it up to you. Yes. That's a dream. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Friends. Well, thanks, okay, everyone. I love you both. Yes, thanks Thank for tuning you. in. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. I don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.